Welcome everyone to episode 7 of the Blockchain Bay podcast. Today I'm with Brad from Deepin Connection and we are going to be talking about the Deepin sector and what it means for the future of crypto. Thanks Chris, happy to be on man. Uh, glad we could connect on this. Yeah, definitely. So I guess we could just kick it off. I want to know a little bit more about you and crypto. Uh, how did you get into crypto and the Deepin sector and we can go from there? Yeah, so a little bit about my background. Um, so I'm from St. Louis. I live in Chicago now. Um, my background's in, I have a degree in finance and I've been in the solar industry for like 15 years. So I'm currently managing uh, 10 state territory. Uh, I do a lot of it's more consulting role, I'd say. Like I work with business owners on pricing strategy, marketing strategy, making sure they have uh, operations hired up. And the main thing I do is uh, sales trainings. So I, I do a lot of sales trainings and national trainings um, and spent some time uh, in New York, in D.C., also worked in the drone service space, which is kind of interesting. Um, we were doing like thermal inspections on utility scale solar and uh, doing rooftop measurements with uh, what's called photogrammetry. So taking like, you know, hundreds of thousands of pictures and stitching them together into a 3D model um, and then taking that 3D point cloud and basically creating CAD files. Um, so say like what I'm doing in the crypto space right now is kind of a combination of uh, different aspects of all those things in my background. Um, but as far as how I got into crypto, like I remember it distinctly because uh, there are several opportunities where I wish I'd gotten in a little sooner. Uh, I knew a guy back right after college that I think it was like 2011, and he was telling us all about uh, Bitcoin. And we thought he was crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I'd listened to him because I'd probably be like on an island somewhere right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. And then, you know, again, I know you've been in since what you said, 2017, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a buddy, I was sitting at the bar and he's like, Hey, it's like 2017. He's like, Hey man, Bitcoin is going to a million dollars one day. I'm like, Phew. I was like, okay, like whatever, you know? Um, and that was closed minded, you know, but yeah. Yeah, over time I was like, all right, there's a lot of smart people coming into this space and there's obviously something there. So, uh, it was, I guess it was the end of 2020. I was back visiting family in St. Louis and I got COVID, man. I was, uh, and I was sitting at, uh, staying in a separate Airbnb and, uh, you know, cause I didn't want to get anybody exposed, but yeah, I got COVID and, um, at, that was, you know, that's in the early days of COVID. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take my, myself back to Chicago. And that was a rough drive. Um, but I remember getting back and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, we've been kind of holed up for a whole year at this point. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything for the next two weeks. It's like a 14 day quarantine. And I was thinking, like, when am I going to be in this position again where I don't have to choose between going out and socializing versus staying home? And I'm like, you know, if all I have to show for this time is like a really badass Animal Crossings island, I'm going to have some really <laughs> serious regrets. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I went on uh, Udemy and took a couple of blockchain courses. And man, light bulb went off. So like ever since then, um, yeah, I just spend like hours every day researching the space for the last few years. And, you know, I get, once I get dialed in on something, I, like I really hone in on it and yeah, there's, it's such a cool space. And that's really where I came across, uh, deep in, cause I, I found helium and I think yeah. like you have, you have a similar, uh, story about how you got into uh, deep in space too, right? Yeah. It's pretty much helium. I don't even know. I think, oh yeah. So I started off watching Bitsby Tripping or Bitsby Tripping and Red Panda Mining the, and Voscoin. 
those are like the main things when I first found out about crypto. I was like, how do I get into this? Because people can mine it. So I saw Voscoin's videos on how he was GPU mining, and this was 2017. So I was like, all right, let's see what I can do. I found two 1070, I think they're just 1070 TIs, founder editions or something at a local Best Buy. And I bought them. I think it was $400 total uh, or $400 each for them. So my dad loaned me the money because at the time I was, I was 17. I didn't have $800 to just drop. And I started mining all these random coins, Bitcoin, Zcash, whatever it was. And then uh, I, I kind of just let it go for a couple of years. And then I got back into the space like 2021. And I saw all the Bitcoin I mined. I was like, what? It's worth <laughs> how much now? And uh, I mined Zcash. And I mined a whole Zcash. And I was so happy about it. I was like, let's see how much it's worth. And I still have it. It's worth like $30. It's like the biggest <laughs> disappointment I've ever had. But I was able to actually, uh, as soon as I bought those GPUs, that was like the last you were able to buy them. Like they were sold out forever. And then when this most recent bull run came, I still had them laying around, just not doing anything. I was able to sell them for a profit uh, four years later from what I paid for them. And I went back on my buddy Voscoin's YouTube channel and I saw him posting this project called Helium. I was like, what's this? And that was pretty much the light bulb that went off for me as well. And I just started looking at it. I bought like with all the money that I made from GPU mining previously, I bought a whole bunch of GPUs and I was mining GPUs for a while. And then I used all those funds to buy some helium miners. And then that's kind of when my YouTube channel picked up is because I started making, making content on the helium miners. And then uh, it just kind of exploded from there. People reach out to me. I joined discords. Um, and then they were like, hey, you should inform people not to buy the Nebra miner or the synchro bit. So then I made videos on them and it attracted even more people. Oh. And now I just have kind of this it's this small following of people from helium that have just kind of led me along a, a good path and introduced me to new projects. That's how I found out about high mapper and demo and all these other deep pins. So it's can kind of uh, a lot of the communities uh, thanks for why I've gone down this path is because I see there's, it seems like the GPU area is kind of saturated with a lot of YouTubers. And I feel like it'd be a lot easier for me to go down and show them a new way in crypto. And this is an emerging space. And I feel like that's kind of why you're in this space too. You want to educate people on this, this new area. For sure, man. I wish I had seen your videos on Nebra because <laughs> I got burned <laughs> by that. So like, that was so frustrating, but similar though, similar for me, because like, so, you know, deep in for those that don't know, you know, decentralized physical infrastructure networks. <clears throat> I think it's a, the reason why it caught my eyes because, well, there's a number of number of reasons. For one, um, I think it it can fix this whole issue with a lot of stuff in the crypto space where there's there's this revenue issue, right? Like a lot of this stuff is speculative because we're so early on in everything. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it's the infrastructure of like the layer ones, and then it was the layer twos, and um, you know now you have the like, zk rollups and all that. So like a lot of it's the infrastructure kind of being built out, um, whereas with Deepin, you know, whether it's building out infrastructure like Helium did, right? Um, or you've got like, you know, Render, like decentralized cloud computing or Filecoin, decentralized cloud storage. And now with this new sensor category, like data collection, um, you're seeing actual revenue coming into these projects. And, you know, I think that 
gives you a lot more legitimacy. But secondly, I'd say these concepts make sense to the average person because if you're out there, you're talking about as soon as you mention the word blockchain to the average person, like their brain shuts off, you know, and they're yeah. like, that's way above my head, you know. But if you're like, hey, you know, what I mean, like if you're but if you're like, oh, like you put this dash cam in your windshield to collect street level imagery to create like the, a fresher map than what Google has and yep. you get rewarded for it, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Right. Um, and, you know, from that from that perspective, like oh, globally. Right. There's I think it's five percent of people have crypto assets now. Obviously, on you know, in the U.S. and Europe, you know that percentage is definitely higher. But like looking at it from a global perspective, if you can bring non-crypto people into your project, you're increasing your target audience by like twenty x. Yeah. And so I think I think that you know, Deepin can bring new people into the space. Um, it can solve that revenue issue that we've seen with other parts of of crypto because it's you know we're still very early in this right in this technology. Um, and the other part of this is that helium showed the ability to scale, and um, you can you can really ramp up participation in ways that we've never seen before. Like the fact that we went from like fifteen thousand hotspots to a million hotspots in eighteen months in the midst of supply constraints, yeah, um, is is truly impressive. So uh, that's that's why I really started like dialing in on this space, man, and. Um, Helium, obviously, they didn't do everything perfectly, right? Because they were kind of like making the playbook. But mm -hmm. um, I have to say, like, overall, I know they caught a lot of flack. But shoot, I, you know, I think it, it overall was a, a really large success. Um, and, you know, and they're still, they've made it through a bear market, right? And faced a lot of adversity. <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're there for it between, you mentioned Nebra and Synchrobit, right? Um, they had Forbes, like, bash them in an article. Um, mm -hmm. They were also tied to the Sam Bankman-Fried thing where Alameda had invested money in them. Um, you know, so, and then also like Discord got a little toxic there for a while. So yeah, um, to overcome all of that, and it's looking like they're going to have like a major, you know, comeback in this market cycle. Like um, I think Helium really has led the way and, you know, segued a lot of people like you and me and other people in the space into these, these other projects, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have Helium Mobile on my phone right now, and I've been earning every day like $2.50 on it's February 2nd, the day of this recording. And then they have my indoor hotspot that I connect my phone to. And it's just I earn. But I think something that you pointed out is that they proved that they could scale. I also think coming into the next bull run, whenever it does approach, I think the pins have solved a very big issue that the outside world sees as an issue with crypto and that's energy because with mm. all the crypto mining traditionally in the past has been with huge power bills with all these ASICs and GPU massive farms all over the country and the, uh, the globe. This was like one of the main things. And that's why Ethereum uh, went to proof of stake because they wanted to reduce the amount of energy they were causing. And I think Deepin is like 100% the future for crypto uh, as far as the energy crisis, like th this is the answer. For sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, to that end, it does, it does solve a lot of problems, right? Like, if you're looking at like decentralized cloud storage, like render is a great example. Nasana built on uh, Solana has gone on quite a run. Um, you know, they solve real world issues um, because you know, if you look at the TSMC, you know, manufacture the high-end microchips that are necessary. And 
basically everyone in the world goes through you know, TSMC out of Taiwan. Um, you know, you have Apple, you have Google, you have Microsoft, the freaking U.S. government. Like pretty much everybody goes through TSMC. But there's this shortage of, you know, these these high end microchips right now. So, you know, what Render and Nosana are doing are allowing people to take idle GPUs that are no longer being used and think about Ethereum miners, for example, that have all these GPUs like and leverage those in new ways to open up more bandwidth. Because like with AI, for example, there's a huge need for computational power. And um, so I think that's just really one example of where DPIN is 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 really huge. Um, we talked about helium. What I'm curious, what are the projects that are you uh, bullish on right now in the deep in space? High mapper, definitely. But there's been some things that have been brought up to my attention that have kind of uh, lead me to believe some other things with high mapper. But also, I think it's just people trying to spread FUD. Same thing I saw with helium. A bunch of people trying to spread FUD as soon as the price went up a little bit. And I think it's because they were a little upset that they sold all their helium when it went to like a dollar. Um, so there's there's high mapper uh geonet weather xm pi fi is one that uh it's a group of guys that i actually know uh i could i could go on my discord i have like a separated folder of them crank is huge as well i've been covering crank for a good time uh things ix i'm sure i'm missing some of them but are you just demo demo at all demo yeah so i am supposed to get a demo device in the next couple of weeks, I reached out to them. Uh, I had one in the very beginning. I was, I think, like one of the first two or three people that covered Demo when they first came into the space. And uh, you can like look at my Discord. I'm, I'm like, see the date that I joined. It was like right when their Discord went live. But I got one of them and then I ended up selling it because it wasn't compatible with my vehicle at the time. Hmm. And it was $300, I think, and I needed it for textbooks. So I sold it. <laughs> And I uh, bought the textbooks and I wish I didn't buy the textbooks because they rewarded the founder people for buying demos with a huge airdrop that it was, it's worth like $4,500 now. Yeah. And it's just like, I didn't get $4,500 worth of textbooks or education out of that $300. <laughs> so it's, well, it's a bitter, uh, it, I was a little bitter with demo for a while, but it has nothing to do with the company. I think their, their whole game plan as, as, total is just like it's really good uh but now i feel like i mean we can we can go back and forth on this but in terms of like picking the right blockchain it seems like d pins are separated on either polygon or solana and i don't know which one's going to be the right one going forward or if just both of them are going to be what's uh yeah i i don't know that it really I mean, I don't know. People are building a Solana. I think a lot of the projects on Solana after Breakpoint uh, saw a lot of positive price action. Um, but, you know, Polygon has massive adoption, too, and from a lot of large entities. I mean, I think like Starbucks and like Coca-Cola, I'm pretty sure, are using it. Like, so and people are sleeping on Polygon. I, so I don't know that there's necessarily like a bad move. But and I don't, there might be some like cross chain compatibility coming because I know one of their uh, founders sent out a tweet uh, that had like a demo token on Solana. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but either way, I don't know that it really matters so much because you can always change blockchains if you need to. I think it's more so with these projects like, okay, are you driving participation? 
are you executing the drive revenue on the back end? Like, are the developers pushing the project forward? Um, and then, you know, digging into the tokenomics does matter uh, with these projects. And, yeah. you know, that's something that like I'm seeing more and more about HideMapper. I, I do want to address in this video because yeah. um, I think it is necessary. But all in all, though, I mean, yeah, I, and I'm in similar projects, by the way. So like I'm I have currently 55 HideMapper units out um, on the road today. I have another 145 ordered, um, which uh, is something I want to bring up on this video too um, about the future state of high mapper and where I see this going. Um, those orders might be shifting. I don't know. Uh, and then, uh, you know, demo, I have, I'm up to like 170 vehicles in my demo fleet. Wow. Um, and I'm adding to that uh, as well. And let's see, uh, GeoNet, I haven't deployed any units. I have plans to. I do have um money invested in their token for sure uh not financial advice by the way nothing in this video <laughs> is financial advice um and i do own a fair amount of nasana i actually put a video out on nasana at like two cents um i don't think i've heard of them nasana so they're a decentralized uh cloud computing protocol a little bit like render um but that one went i would put it out a video at like two cents and it's up to like i want to say like a dollar 40 and that was like three months ago it's wow yeah yeah it was a, like a two million market cap at, when I when I first um, started pushing that out. I they've got highlighted some on a breakpoint. I'm like, man, this is you know this is so obvious. Um, but uh, th there's another one actually, Teleport. I don't know if you heard of Teleport. So I'm talking to their team a little bit, but they're launching a decentralized rideshare application. So oh like my Uber, gosh. yeah, I think I was <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I was just talking about this in my uh, my accounting class the other day. I was like, it would be perfect. I was thinking if there was a decentralized rideshare application, because I mean, like, come on, it's just like right there in front of your face. It's exactly what we need. Uh, yep. It's just one more thing to pull people into the space. Well, absolutely. Like I actually had a meeting with um, their CEO last week because they, they saw my uh, Uber and Lyft recruitment video on my channel and they reached out and um, you know, so we've had some discussions. They're getting close to launching their first uh, cities, but it's it's the perfect time because I can tell you, you know, Uber and Lyft, uh, their fares have gone up. Like they've doubled actually, essentially over the last five years. Mm -hmm. And drivers are making maybe the same, in a lot, many cases, less than they were making. And uh, so Uber and Lyft, they become so top heavy because they're trying to move into all these other sectors too, like yeah. food delivery and, you know, all, and grocery delivery. And, and um, so the whole idea, the whole concept is like cutting out all that high overheads so that you can come to market with a better price for consumers and uh, better, you know, pay to drivers. And I think there's a huge market there, you know, so someone's going to do it. And I was like, man, th this group, they also got, um, I think, like ten and a half, eleven million dollar investment like a year ago. So um, I'm super excited about seeing where they go with that, and I'm going to try to work closely with them and see where it goes. Um, and let's see. So I talked about GeoNet, Demo, High Mapper, obviously Helium. I still have like sixty rooftop installs on the IoT side. Um, one and, other, one other thing. Uh, I forget the name the company you just mentioned, but Sorchain, I don't know if you heard of them and their modus. It's kind of like Dmote plugs in. I saw on their website, they had plans to possibly be similar to a ride sharing uh, app. So there could be 
competitors coming up at the same time there. But that doesn't yeah. seem like it's on their it's just like on their to-do list. There's no plans yet. Yeah, I so that's so you know, work and I worked in the startup space at this drone company. It's like at a certain point, you know, when you're like demo, for example, is another example of this, like you kind of need to focus on certain things. Like there's a lot of ways that they can, these projects can take, you know, different, different uh, verticals, if you will. But if you spread yourself out too thin and you don't really focus on being really good at a few things, like you can really, you can actually hurt yourself. So uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't looked at the modus too much. Um, I don't know how their network connectivity works. Uh, if it's through like an IOT network or if they have cell connectivity built in, but um, you know, Demo right now, they have the AutoPi with cell connectivity built in. They have the Macaron, which connects the, the Helium network. And I think they do, they probably are working on some additional options uh, because they're they're the same thing. They're backordered like crazy right now too. Oh, yeah. um, so, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, but I do want to, I do want to talk about uh, HiveMapper. And I know you mentioned that you'd been hearing some things like, sounds like some people are like salty in the community or whatever. Uh, yeah. What you want to expand on that? Yeah, so <laughs> this is thanks to Network Bits. That's Joe. He added me to this chat and he he sent me a Discord link to like this private Discord server with like a whole bunch. It was like a whole bunch of exiled Hive Mapper people. And I remember this happened back in the day with Helium, and there was another project I covered called Rebelfy that just did terrible. Uh, There's a bunch of uh, litigation. People are trying to, to sue this guy, but there's like these Discord servers people make. And everyone can join together and kind of just talk about stuff that you can't talk about about in the normal servers. Like you can talk about the price, you can talk about any sort of like confidential uh, and and important information. So uh, there's this this X mod in there that has just been talking a bunch about um, Hive Mapper and bringing up some fairly good points about the uh, token unlocks that have been happening for the employees. I made a video, I think it was it was uh, two months ago. Wow, time flies. Yeah, in December, or maybe it was early January. No, it was December. About the um, supply, like doubling overnight. And I was like, what is going on? The supply, it was as soon as the price was going up, the, the supply uh, doubled, and then the, the price came back down. And that's when it kind of brought to my attention a lot of other people about the how many like tokens are being unlocked on a monthly basis and yeah. the effect that that's having on the price. And it's kind of just suppressing the price. Like as soon as it goes up, all of those tokens that the employees have, they, they could be selling and the price is coming back down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I obviously before I invested in the project, like I read through the tokenomics, like in really good detail. So I knew all that was coming. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, we can, we can hop into that. Like I still, so here, when I look at these projects and look at like price projections, and I think we, it's important to talk about, especially with high mavericks, I'm seeing some pretty like unrealistic expectations about where the token price is going to go. Cause you know, um, I see people talking about like $10 per honey, $20 per honey, which is like pretty outrageous given the supply. So to your point, like this year alone, between uh, employees, what's eligible to unlock to employees and investors, there's 3 billion tokens, okay? Next year to employees is another billion tokens. So that's that's 40% of the supply going to uh, investors and employees. Now, look, um, 
that's a little bit higher than, than some projects that said, like they do have a lot of overhead when dealing with, you know, building a map, building an R and D and building their own camera and manufacturing in the U S and all that. Um, so I don't have necessarily a, a, a huge bone to pick with the percentage. It's the unlock schedule that I, I was kind of like, it's pretty quick, really like to the investors to get it, um, all this year. And the other part of that is, you know, there is 40% that goes to contributors. Um, and their unlock schedule is, is based on global progress. So I'm like, in my mind, you know, I was like, well, you know, maybe like having the employees like unlock period tied to global progress too, because we're kind of on this together. But regardless, you know, it is the tokenomics are what they are. And yeah. so you have you have four billion tokens unlocked by the end of 2025. If all the em employee um, token unlocks happen, which I we I, I have to assume they will. Um, and then you have um, the the treasury. Um, which is used to, they've been using it to distribute to participants. Um, and then I think there's like a helium ink for like R and D and that sort of thing. So, um, in total, that's, that's 6 billion tokens. So you have to assume by the end of 2025 that that 60% is going to be in circulation. Okay. Um, the other aspect of this though, is like kind of unknown as far as the contributor unlocks. So, you know, right now, I think there's over uh, 200 uh, million tokens unlocked to contributors so far. Um, I expect that to ramp up as global progress ramps up. So the number I've been kind of using, and most of my projections uh, that I do on, on token prices are out in, uh, to 2025, uh, okay? Just looking at historical market cycles. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit too in this video, but like, you know, we have to make some assumptions. So I'm kind of expecting that, you know, 7 billion or 70% of the, the tokens will be in circulation at the end of 2025. So that's part of the, the puzzle here. The other part is, okay, what's the market cap potential? Yeah. Okay. So there's, I would say um, there's a high upside case. Um, then I do kind of like a, uh, okay, moderate, you know, what's more possible. And then a, a downside case, because I think we need to, in the crypto space, I feel like a lot of people love, I mean, it's fun to talk about the upside case, but for risk management, like you have to really take in consideration all options mm -hmm. and scenarios. So high upside case, I, you know, as far as market cap goes, we, we can look at other projects. Like I look at Helium um, as, as somewhat of a comparison and Helium got to just over a $5 billion market cap in the last market cycle. Now, you know, it's a little bit different because Helium was infrastructure being built out and really wasn't generating revenue at all. Um, and it was the prior market cycle before D-Pin really had all this momentum. So um, I would say, you know, for Hive Mapper, they're already generating revenue. That's one of the the big things I like about this, this sensor category or data collection is that they can turn on revenue right away. Yeah. Um, the other part is like, okay, if we, if we do see this bull run that we're all hoping for, um, the deep end narrative is, is really picking up steam, right? Um, I hate to say narrative because it sounds like, oh, it's just this narrative that's going to pump. And I mean, I think this is like a legitimate sector that's that's a that's coming out of the, the crypto space. So, um, you know, I do think if they do what I think they're going to do on the hardware side, which we'll talk about, and um, they announce a couple big name clients, which it sounds like they have some that are under NDA right now. Yeah. And the revenue picks up and global progress picks up. I could see a scenario where this hits a, a $10 billion market cap. I 
I don't know that it would happen, but I think it's possible. Okay. But even if that's the high upside case at 7 billion tokens in circulation, that's a, that's a dollar, like dollar 42, I think per honey. Okay. And that's to me, that's like the, the biggest bull case. So for people talking about five, 10, 20, you know, dollar honey, uh, to me, that's just not realistic. I think it's far more realistic. Again, if these things come together and we have this bull run, you know, I think 70 cents to a dollar, because that's the kind of a psychological number at a dollar. Like I could see that more likely happening. But I also think that we need to consider that there are some other scenarios here. Um, when you look at the the global economy and I, it, before I get into that, cause I, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit here, but like, do you have, I, I'm curious if you have anything to add or what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So obviously I'm hopeful that the token goes up to $20, but realistically, I mean, it's very easy to see what a realistic number is just by taking the token price and timesing it uh, by the circulating supply or, or mm -hmm. the total supply. That's how you get the market cap. And people just don't know it like it's it's literally a multiplication problem and i've covered this in many videos i've showed it on screen like all right if we were to get to ten dollars it would be like just it would have a market cap like the size of ethereum and it's just not going to happen at least in the near future but i did see when it did get listed on coinbase for two to three seconds <laughs> it was at 90 cents and i was like oh my gosh but it didn't it didn't stand very long <clears throat> Yeah, I think you put a video. Did you put a video out on that? Wasn't there like a bidding process or something that caused that? I think yeah, so that. so yeah. the way it worked for Coinbase is when they release a new token. I don't know if it's for every token, but they have this period. So it HiveMapper went live 12 p.m. Eastern my time. I believe it was 12 p.m. And for the first 10 minutes, it's this auction process where pretty much you insert the however many uh, honey you want and how much money you want to spend. And it fills it on a, I believe, a FIFO uh, okay. basis. So it's like first in, first out. So first person that orders, they get rewarded uh, with that correspondingly. And basically, as it goes on, people are paying higher and higher for less amount of honey. And it just fills all those orders for the first 10 minutes. And then after that, after they test it and everything is working, then it's open on Coinbase.com uh, and just regular Coinbase. So that's all mm -hmm. taking place on the Coinbase, I believe it's called Coinbase Pro. Uh, it used to be called uh, something else back in the day, but that's all being taken place on Coinbase Pro, and then it moves to Coinbase, and then anybody can buy it. And then after that point, that's when the price uh, goes from whatever the crazy auction price is to a, like a stable uh, price, and then uh, it goes from there. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering. I saw that. That was a glitch. I'm like, what? How did that hit 90 cents? I was like, what? <laughs> um, okay. I, you know, I want to talk about the thing that like a lot of people aren't really talking about right now because everyone's just expecting that we're going to have this this bull run. That's we hope that, and there's I think there's a good case, you know, a good uh, chance that that does happen, right? That that we do have this bull run post Bitcoin having. But one thing that I think uh, we need to talk about is the fact that for the first time since Bitcoin's inception, we're in a quantitative tightening, tightening environment where the Fed has been raising rates. Like Bitcoin started back in 2009, right? And it was right after the recession and interest rates were have been near zero for a long time. And this is the first time we've had a Bitcoin halving where interest rates are higher. And, you know, low interest rates are very bullish for risk on assets like crypto. So 
we, you know, we can look at historical market cycles, but this is going to be a little bit different. And there's also some warning signs right now in the economy. So look at commercial real estate right now, like the vacancies in December were the highest we've seen since the height of, uh, you know, of, of COVID. And our banks are sitting on, they have a lot of exposure right now to commercial real estate assets. And that's, that is very concerning. And there were a lot of commercial loans that were, had gotten extensions that are, you know, things are about to come to a head here. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more regional, smaller banks failing here in the coming months. And I think it's going to be a, a topic that's in the news. Um, now, the big banks, the expectation is that we'll see consolidation. The big banks will buy them up and they'll be too big to fail. And that might be the case, but there's still going to be uncertainty and concern in the market, which could have an impact on the overall economy. The second thing is, you know, the job market, right? So we just saw job market numbers where at uh, unemployment is like 3.6 to 3.7%, I want to say. So that that's still, that's relatively, I mean, that's actually strong. Okay. But UPS just laid off 12,000 people. Um, PayPal laid off 9% of their workforce. My, the company I work for has had layoffs. I know a lot of people that have been laid off. And I think the job market is starting to weaken, um, which also is, is a bit concerning, right? And when you look at the consumer sentiment, the consumer spending was pretty strong through the holidays, all things considered. But when you dig into how that spending is happening, there's also other warning signs because, you know, with inflation, it, it, with the uh, every the cost of everything going up, um, you've seen people's savings start to dissipate because during COVID, you know, people's savings uh, had grown because you couldn't go out and do anything. You couldn't go out and spend money and go to restaurants or, you know, social events. By all reports, those extra savings that were kind of easing the, the burn from inflation had dissipated and people have continued spending money. And this question is like, how are they doing it? And well, they're using credit cards, man, like over a trillion dollars in credit card debt across the country right now. And that's another thing. I mean, so you combine all these things like the commercial real estate situation, um, unemployment, you know, the, the, the job market itself and the fact that people are racking up credit card debt, you know, it's, it makes you wonder like what could be coming. Um, and I think there's this misconception about inflation in general, like people are, you know, inflation is, is coming down, but you know, that's not deflation. I, and I think there's the, that, this concept that people don't quite understand. Like they think that prices are going to come down and that's not, that's not the target here. Like the Fed is trying to target 2% inflation, right? And like globally, that's the standard. Like if you have 2% inflation, that's what you want for a strong economy. But that means that like the prices we're at today are not expected to go down. They're just expected to only go up 2% a year if we hit the goal that the Fed is trying to hit, Right. Deflation is not good for the economy. So I think we need to like realize this is the new normal for prices, right? Um, and then lastly, like the, the market is pricing in four rate cuts this year, which is a good thing for you know asset, you know, risk on assets like crypto, but you know, it also begs the question: what do they see coming? Because they're not going to just cut rates unless there's a need to cut rates. And normally that coincides with a weakening job market or a recession. And, you know, we just had our FOMC. There's there's eight meetings a year. We just had one. Um, I think it was just yesterday. Uh, and they didn't touch rates there. They're not, as of right now, expected to touch rates in the March session. 
So we could see them start lowering rates, you know, this summer, but it makes me wonder, like, is there something they're expecting to come in order to have to lower rates? I don't know. So I'm not saying that we're going to have some crazy recession. I'm just saying um, you need to manage risk and be aware of all possible scenarios because I'm sure you saw it in the last market cycle. People were telling me they're taking out like second mortgages on their home, like cashing out their 401ks, putting their life savings into the market. And um, it's an exciting space. There's a lot of upside there, but, you know, and none of this is financial advice, but I would just say like, you know, be aware of risk management and what possible scenarios there are, because there is a scenario here where the bull market might get pushed out you know, two, three years, potentially, if we have some sort of crash, you know, in in the global economy. So um, it's just a, kind of a warning. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but and then I'll, I'll talk about where I think what the most likely scenario is and how I'm planning on playing it. But like, what are your thoughts? I'm uh, glad you brought that up, that people were taking out mortgages and like uh, doubling down on crypto. And I thought it's interesting because a lot of the people that were doing that were doing that pretty much at the peak of the bull run or the tail end of the bull run. And they're like, no, nah, it's coming back down. It'll go back up. And these are people that just don't understand the space. They haven't been in the space long enough and they're making these huge mistakes on their life savings because someone told them to buy Bitcoin or the fear of missing out FOMO. We see it all the time with projects. And that's a really important thing that Unfortunately, a lot of people don't know yet, and they're going to have to learn the hard way going into the next bull run when or if it does happen. Mm. And they're going to, we're going to see this time and time again until people start to learn how this market works. I mean, it still is a young space, even though it's only been, oh my gosh, how many years? 15 years now. It's still young. I mean, the stock market has been around forever. So there's plenty of ups and downs that we can see. And, and another thing I did, enjoy that you did mention is all of the real world stuff because a lot of people say crypto is like not real but you're comparing all this real world stuff to crypto which is what a lot of other people are doing as well and it's kind of legitimizing the space we're seeing all these major players coming in especially with the etf launch it's really transitioning the space into something more solid and it's having a lot better of a backing than it ever has been and i think that is I mean, we have no clue what that's going to lead us to. This could lead Bitcoin to going to a million dollars like people have speculated for so many years. For sure. I Look, I, I do think that Bitcoin eventually will go to a million dollars. I, I do. Um, people might think I'm crazy for that. But, you know, I, I, I think that it's just a matter of like when it will happen. But yeah, like, look, these ETFs, like BlackRock's been buying up Bitcoin in droves. Like, I mean... So there's, so I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just trying to make people aware of the, the possible scenarios. Like I'm obviously still very active in the space. And I think there's a lot of potential here. And like what I, what I'm hoping the scenario I hope plays out here. Okay. Is that in the coming months, yes, we might see some issues with the banking and the commercial real estate. We might see the job market weaken, but I do think that we'll see the fed start to lower rates. Okay. Say like May, June. Um, because inflation's at like what I think it's like three, I want to say 3.3%. They have to start lowering rates before we get to two, because if they wait till we get to two, it's too late. So I think we're going to start softening this out and they're, they're trying to get this, what they call a soft landing. So if, if they can pull this thing off, rates start getting lower. We have the Bitcoin having, uh, it's supposed to be April 20th. 
right? And if, hist if history repeats itself, we should start to see this bull run hit July, August, September timeframe going into election season, right? They're not going to want a recession going into election season. So <clears throat> I think th this could play out where we have this, this nice bull run. Um, and, you know, every, everything happens like we're hoping. But I will say one of the things I learned in the last market cycle is it's okay to take some profits on the way up. You know, like DCAing in at the bottom and, you know, in the bear market is really smart, but DCAing out in, I'm not saying like cash out your position. I'm saying take some money off the table on the way up, right? Because, you know, towards the end of this year into 2025, there's still potential that I think we could see a recession hit, you know, like I don't think we're out of the woods necessarily, even if we see a soft landing through election season. So I think you can, you can kind of play this and this is how I plan to play it. Okay. Um, keep building my positions right now. And hopefully this bull run hits and then going into 2025, start dollar cost averaging out, taking a little bit off the table, but like keeping my positions for sure. But that way, like, let's say we do have this super cycle hit, like that people have been calling for, for like the last eight years. Right. Um, you still have your positions where you can take advantage of that market cycle. But if you're pulling a little bit off the table and you have this cash on the side, you're also positioning yourself that if we have a crash, you can pounce on that opportunity because that's where, you know, if you look back to 2008, like that's where you can make generational, you know, wealth is by having money sidelined and cash is king in those situations. So I think you can play both sides of this um, by, you know, DCAing out to an extent, keeping your positions and kind of be able to take advantage of either scenario. And that's, that's my game plan right now. I don't know if that's going to come to fruition, man, but like, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking to play this thing. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take that as financial advice and uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'll take that as financial advice. Um, all right. Well, I, you know, let's talk about, you know, the future state of high mapper. Um, what are your thoughts, by the way, on where the project's going? Or, I mean, I know you're mapping right now. Are you planning on like at building a fleet or anything? You're just kind of doing your personal mapping or what are your thoughts? Yeah. So there's, I, I have, I live with five other guys and one of them, I took a road trip all the way to Louisiana and back. So we drove, it was a weekend. It was, I think, like four days. We drove from New Jersey, where I'm at, all the way down and back, stopped in uh, Nashville, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. So we saw in Georgia and North Carolina, South Carolina, we saw so many states along the way. And I got like 20 hours to talk to him about crypto. <laughs> I introduced him to the whole space and talked to him about High Mapper. And I was like, all right, I'll split. Uh, I think we did like a 50-50 split on the earnings that I've made for HiveMapper. And it paid for our entire trips, even splitting it. I think we made like $2,300 just driving to Louisiana and back over a weekend. It paid for all the gas, all the food, any souvenirs yeah. we bought. And my friend was like, oh, my God, I need to get one of these things. I was like, <laughs> yeah. all right, you can get one, but you got to pay $2,300 to get it on eBay right now. Yeah. And uh, that's like where we're at. And this is giving me flashbacks to how helium was right? seeing all the miners for sale, secondhand market and people yeah. hang an arm and a leg. I did find it interesting that Ariel uh, was calling them out on Twitter and in the discord uh, saying, calling them D bags uh, saying like, this is not right, but that's just kind of the space. Like, and it's not just crypto. Like you look at Xboxes if the, in, 
and shoes, if there's a limited release or if it's hard to get your hands on one, there's going to be scalpers and you can't yeah. really get around that. But for Honey and their future, like I I firmly believe they're gonna release a different dash cam, like a, a third dash cam. And I think it's gonna be uh similar to the dash cam S, but better because I think they just kind of fell short with the dash cam S. They really uh, in my opinion, they dropped the ball on, in terms of like mounting points. There's only one mounting point. It's the very back, so the center of gravity is off, so it, it'll just wobble when you're driving. Mm. And the dash cam uh, purposes, like it's supposed to mine crypto or, or a map and record dash cam. There's no audio on it, and the dash cam is like it will either mine or, or map or uh, record. Like it doesn't work simultaneous. So I think they're going back to the drawing board and trying to think of a better device and maybe a device that can produce faster because we're seeing right now their devices are backordered until I think it's June now, which is just crazy to think about. And it's mostly because they're manufacturing it all in-house and it's, it's special equipment. If they can figure out a way to make this with easier to obtain products and, and materials, they could just be pumping out these these uh, dash cams and covering the whole globe a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, as far as like the scalper thing, like, man, I, it's, it sucks, but that's just kind of that comes with the territory when you have high, and it's not just crypto, like you mentioned, like it's when there's a high demand and, and scarcity for something it is what it is. And, uh, and I know like Ariel's like, you know, people need to stop thinking about, you know, this needs to happen in the next six months. It's like, I get it. Um, but you know, if you're if in this space, like one of the beautiful things is that you can ramp up participation, like no, like no other. Right. But yeah, it's also, you know, other things that you're going to have to deal with that kind of suck too, you know, with that. So, um, yeah, I, so I agree with you. So I, I have a uh, prediction on what's going to happen here. I, I sent out one tweet about it, but I started because I've started getting a lot of questions about people asking, like, how is uh, Hybapper going to make it through a bear market? So I started thinking about this because Helium did. Right. And we talked about all the adversity that Helium faced. And um, but they made it through. And the reason is because it, it was completely passive. Like people were like, oh, I'll just leave it plugged in, whatever. Right. Um, you know, there's obviously some people that are like, oh, we're going to stand up against Helium and unplug our, you know, hotspots and i'm like please bro unplug it because that's better rewards for the rest of us yep. and you're in a hex with like 30 other people and not providing any value anyway so like yeah unplug your unit that's fine like so but in the current state with hive mapper it's not passive man like it there there is a decent amount of involvement with you making sure that you're downloading imagery keeping the app open uploading imagery like meeting the, the tuesday deadline um so you know it worked uh, the last like couple of years leading up to where we are today. Um, and I think people were like, well, you know, it's a, an early stage project. The bull run's coming up. Like that's fine. If the, you know, the, the price of honey is low and the earnings aren't that great. Like we're, we'll, you know, we'll work through it. And I did have some drivers that like gave me the dash cam back. They're like, it's not worth it. I'm like big picture. Come on. Like, you know, I'm sure they're regretting yeah. that now. <laughs> um, but I will say, to your point, like expectations are being reset, whether you like it or not. Um, I don't think these current rewards and earnings that people are getting are sustainable by any means. Um, so I think people have need to have realistic expectations. But 
I do think that even if they come down to a point where let's say you're making $15 a week, you know, in a, in a bear market, they need to get this to a point where it's passive enough that people will still do it. And I think that's where they're going with this. And I started thinking through how do you do it? Right. And it, the only way is to have a dash cam that has cell connectivity built in to where maybe you need your phone to set the dash cam up and see if it's positioned correctly. But after that, it's hands off, right? And, and it's downloading, uploading on its own. You don't have to interact with it. Um, and I think that's where they're going with this. And the, you know, the next question is like, how are they going to do it on the cell connectivity side? You know, it would make sense. I think an obvious choice would be Helium Mobile because they have a Helium, Helium uh, you know, team as an advisor already. They've already integrated on the IoT side. You could have the potential maybe dual mining like mobile token and, and uh, honey token with that. Um, regardless, though, like I don't think that matters as much. That'd be pretty cool. But as long as they find a cell provider that can do it in a cost effective way, that's how they take this to the next level, in my opinion. Because number one, if you're getting a dash cam, you're like, you know, hey, this is going to help you for you know insurance purposes, or like if you get in a car accident, just like any other dash cam, except you're passively earning something on it. I think that's how you get through a bear market. That's how you take this to the next level. And it opens the door for different types of fleets because, you know, I'll give you an example. I have a buddy that owns a uh, shipping company and he's like, I want to set these things up with my, you know, all the, the truck drivers in my fleet. And I'm like, man, like there's an extra layer here where you, you have to interact with each individual driver to make that work. And that's another a third split that you have to manage every week and stay on top of. And for me, if I'm if I'm providing the cameras, like I know that the business owner, but then like that's a layer away. I don't really have much power or the ability to like be on top of these drivers to make sure they're uploading. And it makes it really difficult and really prevents you from moving into certain types of fleets. Now, this would allow you to get in, you know, to those types of fleets, because literally you're just working with business owner. They put them in there and they're like, Hey, we're putting these in every truck for, you know, insurance purposes, whatever. Yeah. And now you've removed that layer of complexity. So I think if they can execute on that again, they uh, can get these, these shipments out. They can name a couple of big name uh, clients, their customers buying this data and you know, we do have this bull market that's coming up. Like this project can absolutely thrive. And that's why I'm still expanding into it. But um, man, that's where I see this going. And there is a tweet from Ariel about some big announcement coming I on. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. February 21st, I believe it is. Is that the date? I can't remember exactly. I think so with a, a backwards logo they have. So that's my prediction. I've seen people that are saying, saying that might be like um, a Binance listing, something like that. I think they're going to announce this new hardware. Um, but that that then kind of puts you in a weird spot. Like I have 145 dash cams ordered right now. So do you then shift yeah. those over to the new dash cam? But I would bet, you know, if they're just starting production and announcing this, it probably won't be ready till like the end of this year and the next year. So you're kind of faced with this decision. Like, do you wait? Or do you place a new order or do you shift part of them over? Like I'm kind of thinking through my strategy here and assuming all this is right. I mean, this is just like going off the cuff, man. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but what I'm thinking about doing here is 
uh, for my top drivers um, that are contributing the most, like upgrading them, if you will, and then taking their OG dash cams and putting them with new drivers and kind of like have it as like an incentive for drivers that are contributing a lot. Like, hey, I'm going to upgrade your, your dash cam, make your process easier. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking through right now. But, you know, there's a lot of details we don't know. Like, what's the price for the cell connectivity? What's the price of the dash cam itself? Like, you know, all things to consider. But, um, but I do think that's where this is going for future state. I don't, what do you think, man? I don't know. I, yeah, the cost to, to do all this, I feel like they would kind of have a similar thing that Helium Mobile is doing with like a $5 fee for Miami. Like, I feel like if HiveMapper were to release a cell cellular connectivity dash cam, they'd have some sort of promo for the first couple of months. Um, and then from there you would be, you'd be paying just to get a lot of people on board. And I think also it would be wise for them to continue to sell like all three of their dash cams, because you're going to have people like you who are fleet managers where absolutely having a way, like just having cell connectivity is the way to go. It's super easy, less work for them, less points of failure uh, where they could forget to upload. But then also for the people like me who I, I'm just, I'm just driving by myself. I got two dash cams in my car. Like it's not that much of a uh, issue for me to just go into my phone and download the images before I go back into my house. And sometimes I forget a few. So what? Cause I know I'm going to get back in my car later, but I think that would be the best case scenario for them to have all three options. It would also allow them to have a lot more inventory uh, because they already have these ones produced and they can continue to sell them to the people that want them and then focus on, on getting these other ones. But there is also the possibility that if they keep all three of them, they're gonna be strained on their resources and they would be better off just uh, canning the two of them and producing one. Uh, that's uh, that's not my decision, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Manufacturing is tough, man. I mean, they are, you gotta hand it to them. They, they've executed very well considering uh, their manufacturing hardware that has to integrate with different software and they're also building a map on the back end. Like, man, that is a tall task. And at the beginning, I mean, you were, you're involved, like it was pretty painful. It's gotten yes. way better oh, yeah. <laughs> than it was. Um, but yeah, man, I, I do think that there's, there's a, a lot of promise there. Um, and I think a lot of these projects have a lot of promise. Like I'm, I'm excited to continue pushing out videos. Like I like, man, I love watching your videos. Uh, your channel's awesome. Like, um, and I mean, before I run it up on like almost an hour here, but um, before we, you know, close out here, I mean, do you have any, any thoughts that you want to get out that we haven't talked about? Uh, well, there is one other project I didn't mention that I just remembered. It's XNet, which is similar to Helium Mobile. And I think there's uh hold on, there's one other, let me look at it really quickly. But XNet is si similar to Helium Mobile, uh, Carrier One. They're all trying to be uh, these crypto cellular networks and i think that is an interesting space because hive mapper could use one of them as well they don't have to use helium mobile they could use at&t verizon but they could also be uh looking to start with one of these younger projects that has uh different options for scalability i mean the the helium uh, 5g devices are ridiculously expensive and i think if they were to able to Get the price down on that. And that's just going to happen with time as more manufactured and the price of everything comes down. It's going to be a lot easier for this space to grow. 
because everything can connect to cellular connectivity. Like everything needs it. You, you need Wi-Fi for everything. You need it for uh, demo for the the sore chain. You actually need to have your phone connected to it at all times uh, oh. with a cellular connection. Yeah, so that's that's an issue, but that could be mm. fixed with some software updates they're planning on pushing. Um, but we we all need cellular data, and it's expensive. And I mean, <laughs> it'll. I say this at the end of like every video. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like that's it will the be best man. I can say. <laughs> it will be, but you know, like all in all, like look, I think we are in. I, I truly believe we're in the right place at the right time. Like in the deep end space, the thing is going. It has just so much potential um and i think it actually has the potential to break like the to an extent this whole like bull bear market thing because if any of these these projects can like drive meaningful revenue um you can just like better justify valuations through a bear market and especially with the tokenomics of some of these like with the the burn the mint equilibrium with revenue coming into the project like i do think there's the potential to break some of these, you know, sentiments around market cycles. So I don't know. I'm, it's exciting, man. And, and you're seeing a lot of them pop up. Like it'll be interesting to see how many of them do well and how many of them don't make it, you know? Um, but yeah, man, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just excited uh, all in all. And I think this bull run is, you know, hopefully it comes through like, like we hope it does. And um we, we're all we're all having a good time and uh, having drinks in a year from now. You know, oh, that'd be great. We can all <laughs> meet up at the next Bitcoin event. Everyone watching this video, because we all get into the deep ends, and we can maybe it'll be a deep end event. That's another thing. Like with the the new spaces, like there's probably going to be some deep end specific uh, conferences and stuff in Miami, of course. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we could probably all meet up there. So that'd be cool. That'd be awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate. Uh, you joining me on this man. yeah this is great it's a good conversation for sure we'll do it again sometime man absolutely well thank you everybody for tuning in and make sure to subscribe to deep in connection as well as me and uh, unsubscribe from network bits <laughs>